Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life can be a slippery slope sometimes, and today's part two coverage of Fred and Rose West's story is one of those, where every time something happens, you think that things couldn't possibly get any worse, but somehow they do. Be sure to hit up part one before moving forward with listening to this episode. I'm Nicole. I'm Ben, and this is Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. start apologizing right now because i hit record i'm sorry you're sorry for what you know what i always get so much flack i'm pretty sure though you were the last one to do a part two was i we're back with a part two you know we made you wait the time is here you don't have to wait any longer you made it we all did it we did it it's worth it sometimes the suspense builds you know yeah I i think this day and age we're all too uh too accustomed to just Having seasons of shows dropped on TV and we watch it all at once. Mm-hmm. So that suspense building is good once in a while. Well, I must say, hopefully I can find this now. I discovered, and it, okay, I love this when I discover shit and like share something with you because it so happens just never. It so happens just never. never. It's just a rarity. Gotcha. Well, what what do you have to share with me? You discovered? So I had found out that Spotify does like oh. Q&As or something on specific, like you can put a question out on a specific episode of a podcast. Yep. And so they had just randomly like did some for us. And it was, I think it was like, what did you think about this episode? Right. Yeah. Anyway, someone did say that they said loved it and multiple, multiple part cases. I agree that our society doesn't wait for things anymore. And I can be guilty of that too. But I definitely like the two-part cases because it does make me more excited for the next episode. Hell yes. Who said that? This was uh, Samantha Ray Taylor. Samantha, you hit the nail on the head. So there, you know what? I'm just like making you guys live your best lives. Yes. Patience is a virtue. It's a muscle we don't flex very often. We're going to make you do it once in a while here. We're sorry, but we're also not at the same time. (laughs) And also thank you for people who noticed our Q&A before we did. No kidding. And thank (laughs) you for bringing it forward to me because I'm someone who prides myself on my social media knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I had no fucking clue about this. I did not know that Spotify had this integrated into their system whatsoever. So my mind is blown. I found it so randomly too, because I always go to the last episode to see who we thanked for our Patreons. Yep. Our patrons. I always like get that backwards, our patrons. And um, I was like, what is this? What is it? Why is it asking me a question? I could have responded if I wanted. Um, And then, yeah, I looked into it. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, So if you guys want to go answer some comments on Patreon, we're going to be putting that up more often. Yeah. Different Uh, questions. Just so you guys do know, though, um, we have had a couple people comment um, requests on Spotify. Feel free to do that. We're just not going to make those ones public. We'll just take those, put them into our book. So we are seeing them. We are hearing them. Feel free to do it. It's just not going to be made part on Spotify, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, speaking of which, because we just talked about people being awesome and discovering things. We'll be new patrons. Uh, we have people who discovered our Patreon this week. We do. We do. We have Kelly Crennan, Eric Brethauer, and Prissy Velasquez. Awesome. Thank you so much. So thank you so much you for guys signing up are for Patreon. Awesome. Uh, we got the month end coming up, so they're going to get an exclusive episode over there. Holy heck. When is the month end? 
isn't it like the 25th today or 27th? There we go. Holy shit. I forgot about that. <laughs> Are you on that? I'm on it. Don't worry. I've, okay. got, a, I've got a cool episode coming up. Oh so my it's all gosh. Good. I've just been um, living under a Fred and Rose West rock. <laughs> that does not sound like a very nice place. No, it actually has been hell on earth. These people are something else. And if you thought last week's episode was rough, this one is so rough. Can you give us a quick rundown on how last episode did play out? Yes. So I did a little intro, but if you're listening to this, this is a part two episode. So you need to go back to the following episode and listen to that one first or else none of this will make any sense. Fair enough. So we left off last episode with Rose pregnant and the family moving into their forever home. It was 25 Cremwell Street. We talked about both Fred and Rose, how they experienced sexual abuse within their households growing up, which is very unfortunate, and how pregnant Anne McFall, Charmaine, and Rena had already fallen victim to this notorious couple. So then the family was living on the ground floor of their new home and renting out the other bedrooms. And after Rose gave birth to their second daughter, May June, Rose found another way to make some additional money. And that was where I was apparently an asshole and stopped the episode. (laughs) So does that all ring a bell? Yes. Okay. So this is where we're starting. Okay. So she had a room upstairs that was called Rose's room. She was the only one with the key to this room. And within said room, she would conduct her sex work to both men and women with encouragement from Fred. Outside was a red light that would be turned on when no one in the household was to disturb Rose and whoever she had in that room with her. Now, something I didn't even put in here, and we just do that so often. Um, We don't have it in our notes, but then just little things remind us of stuff. Mm -hmm. There were also allegedly holes in this in the wall i guess of this room oh no that fred could look in okay i yeah. mean not that that's great but that's not what i was i was thinking worse i was thinking oh, glory holes you went that okay i assumed you were talking glory holes no it was people peepholes is that yeah peephole yeah. okay i was like all of a sudden that sounded sexually gross <laughs> but i don't think it is <laughs> well i mean the intent is is there still yeah. but no one is ever going to be able to say the word people without thinking no. about Fred and Rose West now. The word peep is not inherently dirty. Okay. People are just going to look at those little like marshmallow peeps on oh, Easter coming up all gosh, naughty ben. now. Great. Those are disgusting. Those aren't good I for anything. I actually don't even know if I've had one. You haven't had a peep? No. Okay, we're going to be trying peeps. You just said they were absolutely disgusting. Why yeah. on earth do I want to try one of them? Because those? you have to know how disgusting they are. Like it doesn't just, isn't it just a marshmallow? Yeah, a shitty ass marshmallow. Okay. <laughs> it's like if Lucky Charms was super old and super squishy. Oh, gross. That's what a peep is. Okay. <laughs> so her work with her male clients seemed to go well without a hitch, but Rose's female clients had a different story to tell. They said that Rose always took things further, and when Fred joined them, he didn't do anything to hold her back. Instead, the both of them seemed to enjoy taking things further than the woman, than the women were comfortable going, and their sexual activities always seemed to be based around dominating their partners. They're into dominating. Gotcha. That whole, I don't know, I kind of mentioned it last time, that alpha mentality yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So by 1977, Rose's father was back into their lives. But when he found out that Rose was a sex worker, the response wasn't a good one. Apparently, instead of trying to help his daughter, her own father allegedly started buying her services, too. Oh. Which, honestly, I I don't know. I have, like, a lot of trouble believing that. But it wasn't, like, numerous reports. Oh. But remember, he did sexually abuse her as a child. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's really disturbing. That, I mean, not that, oh, that's just, like, the sexual abuse, don't get me wrong, that's horrible, but for some reason, the purchasing of it makes it seem 
almost worse because I can guarantee you she's not willing still. It's almost like she has to pretend she's willing in this case, which makes it feel worse, you know? Yeah. Well, she would still like she's still always throughout this whole story, really. She's still very young, right? Yeah. And yeah. So. Oh, oh, that's a whole yeah. whole basket I don't want to unpack. Wow. No, okay. Let's just carry on here. Please do. By 1983, Rose had given birth to eight children. At least three of those were from her clients. So they were not all Fred's kids. Fred treated them like they were his own and even covered their tracks by telling them that they looked differently to their other siblings because Fred's great-grandmother had been a woman of color. Okay. So. But I, that, mean, I mean, that in itself is a nice thing to ensure that people don't feel different. And it's like, no, we're still family yeah. regardless, right? That just regardless of who it's coming from is a nice sentiment, I guess. I don't know. I can't think any silver out of that, lining out of that guy's mouth is nice, but I guess I like to play devil's advocate. You know, he's that. at least making everyone feel like they're part of something. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, good God. This whole episode's going to just be like, yeah, just bad. Okay. So that didn't mean that he treated any of the children. Well, when each of them turned seven, they were given a long list of chores that they had to do every day. They weren't allowed to spend time with friends outside of the house unless either Fred or Rose went with them. And if they broke any of these many rules, they'd get punished. Rose eventually dished out the punishments, and they often always included some level of physical abuse. Cool. Yeah. Not. This episode's really rough. I have a feeling I should probably have actually done maybe an extra. What are those called at the beginning? Disclosure? Disclaimer. Disclaimer. A disclosure. (laughs) Signing a non-disclosure agreement for this episode. Can't talk about it. Oh my gosh. Well, honestly, maybe that's needed. Potentially. So Rose made a point of not hurting the children anywhere that would be visible, making the abuse harder to notice and harder to track. Anytime they received any injury that had to be treated at the hospital, Rose would tell the staff that they'd gotten into an accident at home and no incident reports were ever filled out or reported to social services, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like some like pe- lots of times people just think people are good. I don't think – I think back in the day, like in the 70s, nowadays people might question that more, I feel like, in the hospital maybe because we know like how bad things can be. Well, I mean there is that too, but also back then kids were – Outside riding bikes, falling yeah. under trees. And they had way more like freedom, actually. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And also the physical discipline from a parent, like, you know, get your ass whooping, you know. Right. You actually could. Yeah. You actually got spankings kind of thing. Exactly. So, so there was that line was a little more blurred then. Yeah. Not I know. I was like all, always off on my own doing God knows what. <laughs> yeah. Same. And that's nothing like ill about my parents at all, but it's just like. I don't know. I think nowadays, like, I guess people are more bad things happen. We're more aware and stuff. And so. Yeah. Well, I know like for myself, like as a kid, I would be riding up and down the dirt road in front of my house, like half a kilometer away. My friend and I would ride our bikes towards each other with sticks and we would <laughs> stick our sticks in our bike spokes, trying to knock the other person off the bike. Like we had joust with sticks on our bikes. Yeah. Good times. Oh. That I explains even- a lot about me actually now that I look back on it, doesn't it? A little bit, actually. Huh. Even with wildlife, I just remember, too, like, we kind of lived somewhere where there was a hill right behind us and, like, a lot of bears in the area. Yeah. And there'd be bears in our yard all the time. And, like, there'd be one in there and then it's gone. And I'd be like, and my mom's like, oh, there's a bear there. And I'm like, well, I'll just, like, be still outside, but I'll stick close to the deck. Like, it wasn't a big <laughs> deal that a bear five fucking minutes ago was just in the yard. Like, yep. oh, I'm still going outside. Yep. <laughs> anyway. What do you always say? I digress. We digress. Yeah, I digress. We digress. Yeah. Um, okay. So apparently not even Fred was safe from Rose's physical punishments. In 1974, he found himself the wrong end of a knife as Ro- Rose chased him around the house. He managed to get himself behind a door and closed it, but Rose still went for him. The knife ended up sticking into the door and Rose actually slid her hand down it, oh, almost no. slicing three of her very own fingers off. Ooh, ouch. Rose, uh, you, yeah, you felt that, eh? Oh, I did. 
Rose allegedly grabbed a cloth to stop the bleeding and very calmly said to Fred, look what you've done, fella. You got to take me to the hospital now. <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe it wasn't quite that that level. It might have been yelling, yeah. but who knows? Look what you've done, fella. Now you <laughs> got to take me to the hospital. <laughs> tisk tisk. So now to step back a bit and explain a little bit more about what was going on within the house. Oh, boy. In 1972, when Anna Marie was only eight years old, she was sent to the basement of the family home and ordered to remove her clothes. Fred and Rose then tied her to a mattress, gagged her, and Fred went about raping her. How old was she, sorry? Eight. Holy fuck. When he was done, Rose followed Anna Marie to the bathroom, laughing at her and saying, I'm sorry. Everyone does does it to every girl. It's a father's job. That makes me sick to my fucking stomach. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And remember that did happen to Rose, right? Not that I'm like justifying any of this because I do feel like at that point she would know that's wrong, even though that happened to her as a girl. You, I think she would know that would, was wrong. I would sure hope so. So... But yeah, like we said in last episode, the abuse is just carrying on to another generation. Wow. It wasn't just Fred. Rose took part in the abuse too, often making Anna Marie do housework with toys inserted inside her or trying or tying her to things and encouraging Fred to rape her. When Anna Marie turned 13, they forced her to also be a sex worker within the house, lying to the clients about her real age. Wow. Yeah. What the fuck? And I left out some pretty brutal things too. Like it, there was worse stuff. Oh no. Yeah. Like honestly reading about some of this case, it's just like there was just like a knot in my friggin' throat the whole time. Like it's unbelievable what these kids had to go through. Holy shit. Wow. I can, All right. Yeah. And we're just getting started in this episode, basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how well I'm going to do for the remainder of it. Oh, yeah. You're going to just hate them. Like, these people are disgusting. Sounds that way. So, later that year, they hired a 17-year-old nanny named Caroline Owens. Caroline noticed that Anna Marie seemed withdrawn and depressed, but she had no idea what was going on behind closed doors. She may have been able to put two and two together, when Fred went about forcing himself on her, however, she was able to flee the home. According to Fred, both he and Rose knew that Caroline often hitchhiked on, Pacific, on a Pacific part of a, a motorway. And one day they went out looking for her. So she did manage to get away, but now they're searching for her. He said that the whole point of going out and looking for her was actually to see if Rose would kidnap someone with him. When they found her, they told her that they were very sorry for everything that happened back at their house, and they offered her a lift. She took it, didn't she? She unfortunately agreed. Oh, no. She, no. Yeah. She was then taken back to their house, bound, gagged, and assaulted by both Fred and Rose. She only managed to get away with her life because she led them to believe that she wanted to work as their nanny again, and she escaped later from a trip to the local laundromat. Well, I'm glad she escaped. Yes. So she basically like, that's pretty smart. Oh, yeah. Because she had just probably experiment, experienced one of the most traumatic events of her life. And then she went about waking up or the next day just being like, I'm going to be your nanny, like playing with the kids, cleaning the house. Mm -hmm. And then the first opportunity she got, like, she still made sure she was like thinking all her actions through and she just fled. Yeah. Peace the fuck out. Good for yeah. her for thinking that through and, and actually uh, bringing it to, to fruition. Totally. Because it's it's easy to panic in a situation like that. So keeping your calm and oh, yeah. thinking out your steps methodically, that's that takes a lot. I would agree. Yes. So she only managed to get away with her life because she led them to believe that she want. Oh, holy shit. I'm just reading the same line again. Yeah, you are. Way to go. <laughs> Sorry. Smooth. So she reported the assault to the police, but it all proved too much as the court date drew nearer. 
Not wanting to face either of her assailants again, Caroline dropped the charges and the West were charged with indecent assault and bodily harm instead. They received a 50 pound fine and were released. Oh, fuck. Which is so shitty. It's so, I mean, she's definitely not to blame. Oh, no, I no, I'm just like, if at this point, if they would just have gone like behind bars, that would be amazing. I'm not blaming her for anything. No, I'm I'm just clarifying. It's not her fault, but it's, it's so, Jesus, you okay? (laughs) Just punch the microphone. Pretty much. Wow. Um, This case riles me up. Okay. I was like, it's just, we see so many cases, so many situations, so many incident, incident, instances, holy fuck, where, individuals get so intimidated and uh, bullied by these fucking perpetrators that they don't, they just want it done and over with. They don't want to deal with them anymore. They don't want to see them hear their fucking name. So it's just all this power that these fucking assholes hold, even after the fact just pisses me off. Well, she probably had already spent so much time on healing or trying to heal. Right? Oh yeah. And then, Going back and having to face them, I'm sure would just, it would kind of like, I don't know, digress you a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure it would. So, um, only three months later, the couple would commit their first quotation known murder. 19 year old Linda Goff. They were familiar with Linda through one of their lodgers. Um, She would move into the home to take care of their children, but she eventually would go missing with Fred and Rose telling the other tenants that she had been fired because she hit one of the children. In 1973, a 15-year-old named Carol Ann Cooper went missing after a trip to the cinema with her boyfriend. And over the next year and a half, four more girls would go missing, all of them ending up at the Wests. Oh, shit. So first one, Lucy Catherine Partington. She was 21 years, 21 years old, sorry, and lasting at a bus stop in Cheltenham. There's strong evidence that Lucy actually may have been kept alive for several days. A week after disappearing, Fred went to the hospital to get a cut stitched up. It's believed that he got this injury while dismembering Lucy's body. Because apparently, well, at the end here, they found a knife that matched the injury, the injury with her body. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. Teresa, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to be butchering your last name here. Um, Segan Teller, she's also 21 and was abducted while hitchhiking. So I should just know, like a lot of the people that they did target, like it was through hitchhiking or through them staying, lodging at their house. And it they kind of targeted people that may not have been reported as missing right away, right? So yeah. more like vulnerable women. Yeah. Almost like wayward individuals kind of thing. People who are, I don't, I don't even know if wayward is the right uh, word for it, but people who are, um, I don't know, they will be missed right away, I guess. Yeah. 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 They just might not, it might not have been noticed because yeah. maybe they're all, all like often traveling around or something. So. Free spirited individuals. That's a way better way of putting it. Free spirited people who are going to be yeah, traveling around. Uh, their friends, family don't know where they are at all times. That sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um. So Shirley Hubbard, she was age 15 when abducted from a bus stop. When her remains were found, apparently her head was completely covered in tape with only a rubber tube inserted in her nose to allow her to breathe. Oh, fuck. Could you imagine? Yeah. Wow. Like just the torture that they were doing to these poor individuals is, is it's horrible. It's horrible that there's people out there like this. It's it is. disgusting. One of the, the worst thing that popped into my mind about that. So I'm going on a little bit of a, a comedic part here. Um, I'm just thinking I always have like one nostril that's clear and one that's not. And it switches like every fucking hour. I swear to God. Good God. Okay. It's like a normal thing. Feel your nostrils right now. No. Just cover up a nostril and breathe through one. One's going to be more clear than the other. I guarantee it. 
I guess. So what if you <laughs> what if you put the tube in the one that wasn't clear? Well, okay, maybe there like, was tubes in both. I don't necessarily know for sure. But could you imagine though, like if you just had a tube in one nostril? Well, to I, breathe out. I honestly couldn't be imagine being in that situation. Like, cause I'm actually like a more of a mouth breather. Which people think is weird, I think. You're a mouth breather. That's a negative thing. I negative don't give a shit. It's, it's not a negative thing. It's just, I literally breathe through my, no, my mouth more. Anyway. But it, it's negative connotations w- from name calling and so on and so forth. That would just be horrible. Like you're in that much fear and then you can't breathe properly. Like I just, I honestly can't even imagine. I know. I but now imagine only having the one nostril that you can't breathe out of and that's it. Well, yeah, you're probably just done. Yeah. And that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Okay, so Juanita Mott, she was 18 years old and a former lodger of 25 Cromwell Street. Right after this, in 1975, Fred put new concrete down in the cellar of their home and things seemed to calm down for a little while. Fred turned the basement into a bedroom for his older children and that was that. But then in 1978, Shirley Robinson a lodger would go missing. And I'm just going to say, those three years, they were still doing shit, in my opinion. There's no way that they would just have a three-year break. Probably. I mean, sometimes, I guess, actually, serial killers do have breaks for certain reasons, but... Well, I mean, he, maybe they were just busy with renovations. I mean, that... The as, renovations, though? As casual to, as that sounds, it's a very possible were thing. Were to cover up the bodies. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm assuming that's the case. Oh, okay, he just had, they had so many bodies. They're like, we have a lot of renovations to do. Well, yeah, maybe they are like because renovations take time. They take time. They take money. Yeah. Right, and slowly working on this sort of thing. It doesn't sound like they're the individuals who are going to be working all too hard, in my opinion. So it's probably going to be an extended project. Way to stereotype. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, so Shirley Robinson. Um, Shirley developed relationships with both Fred and Rose. And at the time of her disappearance, she was actually pregnant with oh, Fred's no. child. No. I mean, this guy, like, there's, I, I, he impregnated a lot of people because he was, he's kind of like a cheater as well. So at the same time, Rose was also pregnant and apparently it was not with Fred's child as well. Foolishly, Shirley thought she could displace, displace, is that how you say that? Rose and become Fred's new wife. Yeah, displace. Yeah, okay. Um, but she went missing. But she went missing. In 1979, Fred and Rose took in a 17-year-old girl named Allison Chambers. She'd come to work for the West once again as their live-in nanny when she herself would also go missing. The children at the West household were growing up amongst all of this chaos and abuse. By 1979, Anna Marie had run away from another vicious beating from Rose. She was pregnant at the time, and I think pregnant like with Fred's baby. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it the I think what had happened is the it was like the baby was growing in her fallopian tube or something, so it oh, did have to yeah. be terminated. But maybe that is a good thing, right? That baby was her dad from her dad. I mean, that's yeah, that's a very that's a touchy subject. It's very touchy. Yeah. But maybe it just wasn't meant to be, right? Yeah, so, I don't. I don't want to say any sort of pregnancy termination is a good thing. Um, I don't want to say that uh, an individual should or should not terminate. But I mean, yeah, given the father and the situation, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's we, so yeah. natural causes pretty much kind of happened in that one, and yeah. So in this time, it was clear that she had no intentions of coming back to Fred and Rose. With her out of the house, Fred shifted his attention to Heather and May, who were both on the cusp of puberty. They'd already experienced sexual abuse at the hands of their father, but with Anna Marie gone and the both of them now teenagers, things escalated very quickly. After and sometimes during the abuse, Fred would explain his actions by saying things like, I made you. I can do what I want with you. Always one of those, hey? Mm -hmm. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. Fuck off. 
He even stated several times that he planned on fathering children with both Heather and May at least once. At least once. Yeah. Holy fuck. This fucking guy. Like, isn't that just fucking disgusting? Holy shit. It's too much. The (laughs) beauty... I'm going to move forward. I'll just give you Please a minute. Please do. Please fucking do. The abuse was not just something that his daughters had to endure. Fred didn't sexually abuse his sons, but his first son, Stephen, was told that he would have to have sex with Rose by the time he was 17 or face the, con- the consequences. Though from what I could find, that seemed to have just been a threat. I don't think that actually happened. I think it was a threat. Wow. Heather, May, and Stephen were all around the same age, and when the, bu- when the abuse and the threat of abuse in the household ramped up, they did try to stick together. Which, good God, that's just so sad. I can't imagine living in a house like that. I know, because like, you're a kid. Like, you don't have anywhere else to go. You don't. You and, literally don't. And they're, they probably don't know any better either, oh, especially the way God. they're teaching them. Like, this is what a father does. Yeah. Like, you just, you think that this abuse is normal. Everyone's going through this and oh my, the, I, I'm overwhelmed with how these kids would fucking feel. Yeah. And that just actually made me think back. Like something I'd even read was Rose to like Anna Marie was like, yeah, you're lucky that like you're being taught this and you're going to know how to like treat and like pleasure your husband and shit. Like just wow. fucking disturbing as shit. Wow. Like it's so disturbing. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So they made a pack, especially when it came to dealing with their father, and they made a point of never leaving either Heather or May alone with him. At least one of them would always go with the girl that Fred called to make sure that nothing happened. That's good. That's really good. Holy shit. Good on them. The girls, well, they're just surviving really. Yeah, I know. The girls also started only changing clothes and washing whenever Fred was out of the house or whenever the other one or Stephen could guard, guard the door. But see, this isn't just surviving, though, because just surviving is almost like a self-preservation. This is not a self-preservation. This is looking out for each other. Yeah. This is much more than surviving. Which is really good that they're looking out for each mm-hmm. other. So at least they have that. Yeah. Um. This worked to a certain extent, but it didn't help them on times when Fred did catch them on their own. May later claimed that she managed to somewhat compartmentalize the abuse. Did I say that? Compartmentalize the abuse. But Heather was, in May's own words, affected quite badly by all of this. By the mid-1980s, Heather was showing the telltale signs of physical and sexual abuse, and other people were starting to notice. Fred and Rose played off Heather's behavior as her being a lesbian and even made fun of her for her symptoms. Wow. The symptoms they are causing. Symptoms, no, of being a lesbian. Yeah, but they're they're attributing the symptoms of sexual and physical and mental abuse yeah. to being a lesbian. I know, which so is ridiculous. Yeah, so they're saying these sexual abuse – so these abuse symptoms are attributed to being lesbian and now are making fun of you for those – symptoms yeah which are apparently because you're a lesbian it's like holy fuck a you're causing those b you're lying and now you're a you're c rubbing it in her fucking face yeah like they're just disgusting these people fakes. can fuck off yeah oh my god wow i'm sorry but i'm pissed oh yeah like absolutely fuck we're only pissed. halfway through here dude so heather was starting to break her silence and share with close friends her situation at the same time, rumors of Rose's sex life had reached several of the children's classmates, and Heather was no longer denying them, because that was the rule. Like, you don't share shit outside of the house. Mm-hmm. A father of one of the classmates ended up finding out of these rumors, but he happened to be friends with the Wests. Like, the oh. fact that the Wests even have friends, no god damn. shit. 
But people like this tend to be very manipulative too. Yeah. So they're probably true. fucking pulling the, the wool over his eyes. So soon word reached Fred and Rose that Heather was divulging some rather disturbing secrets of their home life. Was she divulging those secrets though? She, she just wasn't denying them. She wasn't denying, but then she did also talk to some close friends too. Oh, okay. About what was going on. Um, where am I here? So to follow, Heather received s- several severe beatings and Fred started walking her to and from school to make sure that no one approached her. So just kind of guarding her, right? Yeah, exactly. Realizing that no one would or could help her, Heather tried to make or to take matters into her own hands and applied for a job that would take her far away from her parents. When she got the news that her application had been rejected, Heather apparently broke down into tears and cried the whole night. Being that Heather was no longer in school, May and Stephen had to leave her alone at the home when they went to school. Oh, no. When the siblings returned one day, Heather was nowhere to be found. Fuck. They were told that there had actually been a mix-up, and Heather did, in fact, get get that job. job. That she already left and no one knew when she would be reaching out to the family again. But as the time passed and Heather didn't reach out to the family, Fred and Rose had to kind of keep changing the story because the kids were asking. Yeah, I just picture Maury right now just being like, and it's found out that that was a lie. Like, Yeah. Yeah. They said that Heather and Rose had gotten into a fight and Heather had ran away. They said Heather had ran away with her girlfriend, so they just kept kind of changing. And when May and Stephen wanted to report her missing, Fred told them that Heather had been had actually been involved in fraud. In fraud, okay. But there was also a new family joke going around that Fred and Rose had started. Whenever the moment struck, they would joke with the children, or when they were kind of like disciplining them or or giving them shit. And sometimes even to each other, they'd say, you'll end up under the patio like Heather. That was like the new family joke, which is really fucking disturbing. How? Okay. Clearly that's not fiction. That's very true. Mm -hmm. That's exactly where she is. How would, how would that come up to be a joke? Well, like say you're in, I don't know, they, their sick, twisted sense of humor. Like they're not normal, right? Oh no, tr- trust so me. I have a sick, twisted sense of humor too. They I thought that was humor. funny as shit, I guess. Because it's based on fact. But the kids, the kids didn't believe it either. Like they didn't yeah. believe it. I know, but my, my point is clearly it's based on fact because how do you just make up a joke out, joke out of fiction like that? Yeah. that That's not a fiction joke, you know? Mm-hmm. Something like that is going to come from fact. Yeah. Because that is a pretty sick, weird joke to make up when, like, your kid is supposedly missing. Exactly. So. In 1992, rumors began circling about a tape. Not to do with Heather, who'd been gone almost six years at this point, but about another one of Friend's victims. His now 13-year-old daughter, Louise. It was now Louise's time to experience hell on earth. Fred had reportedly asked her to bring him something. He then raped her, sodomized her, and partially strangled her. He did this at least once, or at least another, sorry, three more times, one of them being in front of Rose, and he had also allegedly filmed one of the incidents. So he was dumb enough to put it on video. Yeah. Good. Well, not not good, but good. There's evidence. That, yeah. That's what I'm leaning towards. Yeah, sorry, that no. sounded terrible. No, I know what you meant. So it took Louise several weeks to work up the courage to tell one of her close friends what had happened. This friend told her mother, and unlike Heather's Heather confessing this, this parent took the confession to the police. Like, Good. thank fuck. Yes, thankfully. Is, is this where they start getting caught? Yes. Thank you. Fuck, yes. Yes. So the case was assigned to a very talented and persistent detective, um or detective constable named Hazel Savage. Pretty sure that's how you say your last name. Holy. Her? I think her. That's a fucking name and a half. I know. But honestly, like you would need someone that's just like 
going to get shit done with this case. No like, shit. and really like dig deep kind of. No shit. Right? Whether it's a female, male, anyone in between, I'm, I'm because I'm a dude, I'm going to do a dude's voice here. But I just picture like a fucking epic action movie being like starring Hazel Savage. Like, you know, just like, fuck yeah, explosions behind them and everything. Doesn't look back. Exactly. Aviator shades on. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Hazel Savage for the win. Oh my God, you're so I need into that. I need to change my fucking name. <laughs> oh my God. Hazel Savage. Fuck yes. Are you good? <laughs> I might need to do it one more time. I don't know. <laughs> ben is so into this name. I almost didn't even put the name in here when I'm like, How could you not put that name in here? <laughs> I don't really address her much. I think I need to say her name one more time and yeah. Wow. I mean, it's pretty epic, right? Fuck yes, it is. Okay. Hazel fucking <laughs> savage. Okay, I'm done. Okay, I promise. are you? I promise. Just have us a beer, beer. We got to move okay, on okay, here. Okay, okay, okay. So Hazel knew Fred from his days with Rena and remembered the stories that Rena had told her about Fred's sexual um, perversions. Like, he's a fucking perv. Oh, he's more a than a more perv. Than a he's perv. a fucking, like... Sometimes I just want to say so many things, but I'm like, tone it down. Everyone is on the same page. We all know he's disgusting. Okay, I'll say it for you. He's a cunt. Yeah. A big fucking. See you next Tuesday. Yes. So Nicole made me, sh she wouldn't let me say it a second Well, for time. the love of God. <laughs> so this time. I don't time, throw that C word very often. Good. So this time the police did visit the house. They told the West nothing about the call. Which is good. So they're like keeping her safe, right? Um, they That they received. And actually said they were there looking for stolen goods on the property. And something I haven't really mentioned yet is that Fred did have a petty theft problem. Because he he needed money to do all his renovations around the home, right? Mm -hmm. uh, see, I, I said that. Yeah, but the, the like the renovation, it's not like a normal like, I'm going to fix my deck. It's like he's fixing his deck because there's like bodies under there yeah, but regardless of the reason it takes money resource time which is probably where that maybe lack of what's the word i'm looking for perpetration i guess yeah um fell the police spent a lot of time going through fred and rose's extensive pornography collection they didn't find the one of louise which is i feel like probably a good thing i just that it doesn't get out there right like yeah. no i don't know yes i feel like just no one should see that agreed but the children of the household were removed from the house and medical examinations did reveal evidence of both physical and sexual abuse so glad they're out of there now fred and rose faced charges of rape and child cruelty and for rose she also faced charges of inciting her husband to rape their daughter as well god the fact that i have to say shit like that and neither of them could get their story straight about Heather. When the police asked where she was, Fred claimed that she was a sex worker somewhere and Rose said she had no idea. After a lengthy, lengthy interview, Rose suddenly remembered she'd actually asked Heather to leave the house because she was afraid that Heather being a lesbian would ne negatively affect the other children. Rose claimed that she'd even given Heather 600 pounds to help her set herself <laughs> up somewhere, but she didn't know where Heather was living now. Wow. That is the, to, to, to quote um, one of my favorite movies, that's one big pile of shit. Yeah. Like Heather was legitimately like her first child. Yeah. That's so bizarre. Like it's wow. So when Anna Marie found out what was going on, she reached out to the police with hopes of confirming the abuse. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm right on. That's so good. She also told them that even though she'd been trying to reach them for years, she hadn't been able to find her mother, Rena, or her sisters, Charmaine and Heather. Which is good because unfortunately, at this point, the current case the investigators had against Fred and Rose was actually collapsing as the children were getting scared. Louise was realizing she didn't want her parents to get into trouble. They were retracting their statements, and Anna Marie sorry, knew she needed to do the same in order to protect her siblings. Wow. 
The police realized they needed witnesses who were not afraid of Fred and Rose. Yes. And that was not their children after everything that they had been through. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm very torn here, but yeah. I know. I understand. They focused their search on finding Heather, Rena, and Charmaine. And unbelievably, Fred and Rose were let go, although the younger children did stay in social services. The so they're no longer in custody. Yeah. Fuck. They're back at their fucking house. Fuck. Yeah. Like the fact that they're back at their house is, oh my gosh, it makes they, they, it actually makes me feel ill. They need to find Heather's body is what they need. The police then focused all of their efforts into finding the missing missing women. Like, um, what's her name again? Hazel Savage. Oh, yeah. Wasn't, Hazel Savage. Was not dropping this. But they kept hearing... So, sorry, we're just all over. The, okay, I want to just start that sentence again. The police then focus all of their efforts into finding the missing women, but they kept hearing about that joke about Heather under the patio. The police kept hearing the joke? Yeah, because they were kind of interviewing the kids and the kids were kind of like bring that up. Gotcha. Right? So the kids must have kind of thought maybe Had something suspicion was weird about, about it. Yeah. it. None of the West children, including Anna Marie, thought that Fred and Rose had meant anything by it, but the investigators... We're not so sure. In February 1994, the smoking gun, they showed up to 25 Cromwell Street with a search warrant. Good. Boom. Yes. And they started fucking tearing up that concrete, didn't they? They told police, or where am I here? They told police that any jokes about Heather being under the patio were just jokes. But the investigators had a hard time believing as the search dragged on into the night, May and Stephen remember watching their parents whispering to each other. The following morning, Fred approached Stephen and said, Look, son, look after mom and sell the house. I've done something really bad. I want you to go to the papers and make us as much money as you can. Fred then what? went to the investigators and told them that he'd killed Heather. So go to the papers and make much, as much money as you can, divulging the story? I guess. Holy fuck. I don't freaking know. Or sharing his side? I don't know. Um, Which is interesting because I almost wondered um, if he hoped that that would call off the search. Like if he was, okay, I'm just going to admit to Heather and then they won't go about trying to find like other women. That was kind of what I was wondering if what he was doing there. Maybe. You know? Or maybe it was more of a uh, a self-sacrifice like like they're going to find the remains. That that's a fact cuz they're they're digging there right now, right? So it's like if I just admit to it and say it was me, then maybe your mother Rose will be left alone. Because he, I mean, I'm going to uh, let me just carry on here and then we'll keep talking about okay. So Fred told them that it had been an accident and that he'd strangled her in a fit of rage. He then said that he dismembered her body, left her in a dustbin while he dug her a grave and then buried her out in the garden. He said that Rose hadn't been involved in the murder at all and she hadn't even known about it until just now. He then volunteered to show the investigators where he actually buried the body and Okay, let's just stop there. So where he, so I feel like he was just like, this is where you should search. Like you don't need to search anywhere else. Yeah. Like I'm guilty. Rose didn't do anything. Like let's just move on with our lives here. Yeah, he's probably trying to. It's a combination of what I said and you said. I think. By yeah. The sounds of it. And did you know that actually there you there are areas where you can legally bury remains in your backyard and stuff. Oh really? Hey. I mean I. If you're in a little lot downtown or something like that, probably not. But there's certain areas, at least I'm talking about like North America, in Canada and United States. Um, there's areas where you can, yeah, you can bury remains of loved ones and have graves on your property. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think of um, what's that show that we watched? Yellowstone. Yeah. There's, I like, I was literally thinking about yeah, that grave. Yeah. They dug graves on their their farm, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. They have huge. Yeah. They have like the room and all. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's legal in some areas. It's legal. Okay. Um, as they were excavating her remains, they came across a third thigh bone. Of course they did. Fred told the investigators that there were two more sets of remains in the garden. 
one of them belonging to Shirley Robinson and allegedly one of her friends. Being that three sets of human remains had now been found, a decision was made to thoroughly search the entire property. Yeah, rightfully so. To which Fred confessed to the additional murders and their whereabouts, which is so interesting to me. So basically the investigators are like, we have a warrant. We're going to dig for remains in the spot you said they were going to be. And he's like, okay, fine. There's one body there. Let's drop it now. And they're like, well, we're going to dig the body up just to be sure. And then they're like, actually, there's three here. And he's like, okay, fine. I killed three. Now let's stop. And they're mm-hmm. like, no, we're going to keep going. And he's like, shit, there's fine. more. Yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit. Yeah. Each victim had been extensively mutilated and showed signs of experience, extreme sexual assault before oh, death. Fuck. Yeah. Fred stuck to his story that Rose hadn't been involved in any of the assaults or murders, but the police thought otherwise. They also arrested her on April 20th, 1994. Rose claimed that she was innocent, as she still does to this day. Yeah, I guarantee you that's a fucking lie. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people... See, I'm not... I'm definitely, like, not a Rose fan here, because I feel like she's an awful person. But then... A lot of people point out like she was just a like a young young person oh. when they met, right? So she was very much so manipulated. But I also do think she was a terrible person even at the time they met too oh, already. Yeah. I guarantee you she was manipulated in many ways. Yeah. However, just because you were manipulated doesn't excuse your actions when you are involved in a fucking murder, abuse, and in any shape or form. Of your harm, own kids. Yeah, and any harm in any person. Yeah. You willingly were a participant. Yeah. Yes, you were also a victim, but you were also a participant. Mm-hmm. Those are, that's two different things. Yeah. And that's, that's just a fact. I'm sorry. It is. She was an active participant. For yes. Sure. And there's, there's evidence of her knowing about the death of, of Heather. It was, it was Heather, right? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she knew about the death of Heather. She knew about where she was buried. She encouraged Fred in so many of these incidents. Yeah. Situations. And she joked prior to the investigation about where she was fucking buried. You can't tell me she did not know any of this. Yeah. Fuck off. Um, Fred just continues confessing. He told the investigators that he'd also killed Rena and Charmaine. They were not at the house. They were somewhere else, their bodies. He said that he knew where Anne McFall's remains were, the pregnant girl who'd gone missing right before he reconciled with Rena. But he did in deny, he like till the end denied that he killed um Anne McFalls and that Rena did kill her. Hmm. That sorry, I said that's so weird. You did. You was it was very robotic, but yeah, I, it I was gotcha. I got you though. I had written it really fucking weird in my notes and then I tried to improvise and it didn't. Well, work. and to be fair, it is getting late too, so I can't To be it. fair. To be fair. Wow, you caught that one. Not me. Good job. Always. I hear High that five. at every moment. To ben, be fair. And just so you all are aware, like Ben does fucking say that even when we're not podcasting. <laughs> all the time. Uh Fred remained steadfast and almost a bit stoic behind bars, but everything changed when he and Rose were brought before the courts. It wasn't, however, the thought of more time behind bars or being faced with his horrible crimes that broke Fred. It was Rose. At court, Fred reached out to Rose and put his, sho- his hand on her shoulder. Probably as part of her defense, Rose winced and looked uncomfortable. When the trial was over um, for the day and the police began to escort Fred away, Fred fought back and tried to reach for Rose again. Rose winced again and tried to get away from Fred. This allegedly just broke him. Froze, or Rose was the love of his life, right? Mm-hmm. He then became noticeably depressed. He sent letter after letter to Rose and asked their, t- their kids to pass messages on to her. But Rose turned her back on him. She was sticking to her story about not knowing anything about the murders, including that of Heather. And she was hanging Fred out to dry. I mean, good. He deserves to fucking rot. Mm -hmm. But again, she is not just a victim. She is also part of it too. Yeah. 
Doesn't that, that, that doesn't mean she's not a victim too. She is a victim. I feel sorry for her in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. But she was also a part of it. Fred then had a change of heart and admitted to the investigators that Rose had been a part of this all along. He said the only murder that Rose hadn't been involved in was Anne McFall's and that it had actually been Rena who killed her. Sorry. Okay, I said that earlier too and it's in there twice. He then hung himself in his jail cell on January 1st, 1995. Rose was to face the charges alone. She was charged with 10 murders the verdict was simple and unanimous. She was found guilty and sentenced to 10 life sentences without the possibility of parole. My heart fucking stopped for a second. When you said 10, I was like, that better be life sentences, oh, not 10, 10 years. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> she wasn't super old when they were like going through all yeah. this. So holy shit. Um, I'll finish this case with this. I came across an article from 1999 where one of the West children attempted to commit suicide and she hasn't been the only one to try to do so. Mm. She had not wanted to be rescued and said, people say I am, a, I am lucky to have survived, but I wish I had died. I can still taste the fear, still feel the pain. It's like going back to being a child again, which is unfortunate truth of this case. Though there were 12 bodies found, the reality is that there were probably many more and there are also many surviving victims. That was one of the most heartbreaking things I've fucking heard. Holy shit. I know. Actually, I almost didn't put it in there because it makes me want to sob, but yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean. It needed to be in there because we think about those 12 those 12 bodies found but it's like in reality there is so many victims oh yeah in this case oh yeah the, the victims go far beyond just those who lost their lives yeah i mean she is lucky to have her life because there's 12 victims who did not have their life but with that comes the caveat of all the suffering the remembering the pain the the torture the the PTSD, you name it, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. She is not lucky to be living with those. She lived through a literal hell. Yeah. Wow. Holy fuck. Okay. Yeah. So that's the Fred and Rose West case. Wow. Well, well. A doozy of a case. Well done. Holy shit. I feel like that quote at the end has almost just lost you, left you speechless, eh? Th those like quotes and shit at the end and stuff, they always like bring this and I do to that a, a real lot. level. I do that a lot, sorry. No, that that's that's good because it's it really gets us on the level of of those victims. And I think that's so important to really understand their perspective and their thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know, anytime we we bring their voice into it, it just makes it so much more real. Yeah. Um like for, for example, I mean this wasn't a a quote after the fact, but it was their voice prior to Judith Barsley. Barsley. Remember from All Dogs Go to mm. Heaven? Like things like that. It just uh, makes it so much more real. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can sit here and talk about this all fucking day. But as soon as we have the victim's voice and being a part of it, it takes it to a different level. Yeah. Next level. Like, yeah. It, I mean, because, yeah, true crime is kind of. I mean, I don't know, for lack of better words, you could call it a hobby of sorts, really, right? For a lot of people. It, well, it's it's a genre of entertainment. There you go. And um, but then, yeah, sometimes it almost when you're watching a documentary or listening to podcasts, sometimes it doesn't actually seem like real life like that. Like, how could that actually happen? You yeah. Know? Well, we, we become disconnected so easy. Yeah. Right? I mean, you watch the news and you see horrible shit happen on the day to day basis. You are driving to work. You hear about a gas station robbery and someone got shot and you're like, oh, that fuck, that sucks. And you forget about it five minutes later. And that person who got shot, who potentially died, you, you, it's just, they're out, out of your head, out of your thought, never to be thought of again. Mm -hmm. Because these things happen so often. But as soon as you have that connection to a real human being, that real person's perspective, that's when it becomes so much more fucking real. Yeah. Totally. Wow. Well yeah. done, babe. That was. Thank you. That was hard to hear, but well done. Yeah. It, um, I can kind of, I realize why I was like putting that one off a little bit. Yeah. You really put that one off. Just because like, I knew it was going to be a lot to research. I mean, there's, you could go way more 
like down a rabbit hole with this case and like there's books and so much. But um, yeah, it's just it's also very brutal. Mm. And I hate I kind of I do actually do couples sometimes. Right. Yep. And yeah, just the thought of them like Fred was able to pick up those hitchhikers, too, because Rose was there. Yeah. Right. And they just like play off each other. And it's just just like the psychology behind all of it, too. It's just mind blowing. Well, think about it in the hitch, hitchhiker's perspective. Um, I, I think this was uh, what was the, the woman in the boxer? What was that one that we did not too long ago? Oh, Colleen. Was it Colleen Stan? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was a hitchhiker who was picked up by a couple. And didn't they have a baby? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that atmosphere of, oh, it's safe. It's a couple. It's a family versus, oh, I'm getting into a single man's vehicle. Mm -hmm. And as a man, it's terrifying to say that men are the fucking scary ones, but it is very much so true. So if you're in getting in a single man's vehicle, that is, that could be potentially terrifying, but there's another person in there, a woman, a child. It puts you at ease so much easier. Well, yeah. Cause wasn't, oh man, we, it's hard to remember cases sometimes like the nitty gritty details but wasn't she one that turned down a ride that had like a whole bunch of men in, I in one of the vehicles so. i believe so I, you researched it so i know so. yeah but well, we do we research case in depth every week a lot of them blur together yeah they do but i'm pretty sure that was that one so yeah anyway that was tough to listen to though yeah fred and rose can fuck off mm-hmm. um they suck to put it lightly <laughs> yeah to put it lightly yeah they fucking suck yeah Holy shit. Okay. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to Nicole's two-parter and thanks for making us wait a whole nother week. You're welcome. My pleasure. Patience. Yeah, you did good. Um, and we appreciate you guys showing up for part one, part two, all the episodes. Uh, we've got something really cool we're going to share with you uh, here probably tomorrow. So check our social media for that. If not, we're going to be talking about it next week on the episode. So uh, stay tuned because it's it's pretty cool. It's a big one. Pretty exciting. Yeah. So yeah until then though social medias are down in the link so you can follow it to check it out we have patreon we have website feel free to sign up leave us a comment go over on spotify answer the little question that we'll put up there you could do that too if not you just want to listen that's fan fucking tastic that's cool we appreciate that and we love that we love having you here no matter what yeah so thank you for all the above and thank you for the awesome episode babe yeah and until next week stay wicked ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 